Let's pray. Father, we are grateful this morning that we have heard so much already. Lord, being able to sing about what you have done by sending your son. Lord, we believe that Jesus came and we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the, the, the testimonies and baptism of the old riches. Lord, that your peace, that your love, that your care, your ability to, to wipe away our sins, to lead us in paths of righteousness, Lord, we are so grateful. And so, Lord, we, we say to you that we love you. We thank you for this wonderful morning. And now as we open your word, Jesus, we believe your word is true. Teach us from it today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you will, listen as I read Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This morning we gather to celebrate Jesus, his birth, his coming to us in the flesh. Christmas is a day of great celebration. I've already celebrated this morning by slicing my finger with a knife, opening up presents. Anybody else shed blood yet today? And any other dads with me in the room? There we go. Somebody raise their hand. So, uh, first blood this morning. Um, but Christmas is a day of excitement, but it's a wonderful day to gather together to celebrate the one who we worship every Sunday. Um, that Jesus, he came in the flesh. There's a Christmas song this year that has kind of caught my attention that I've listened to a lot. Um, it's a song called I Heard the Bells. And I don't know if you know the background of the song, but the background of the song was written in the midst of the Civil War, and a man wrote it in the midst of losing his wife and child. And in this, he wrote <clears throat> the, this line, he, <clears throat> in the midst of war, in the midst of struggle, he says, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. And then he says, then pealed the bells more loud, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. In that song, there's this kind of the depth of the meaning of Christmas and even in the song, you get this intent of the writer of, around me in my life and in my circumstances, where is peace? But it's almost like, like David in the Psalms, who says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. It's almost as a man writing these lyrics to the song is saying to himself, no, 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 no. Even though there's things going on around me, there's a deeper truth that lies in this. And you can't stop the bells from ringing. You can't stop the message of going forward, that peace has come, that death shall not prevail, the wrong will fail, the right will prevail, 
And there is peace on earth and goodwill to men through the person of Jesus Christ. So this morning we celebrate the birth of our Savior, that God is not dead, he does not sleep. Peace on earth has come through the person of Jesus Christ. This morning our text that we're going to look at is Luke 4, 16 through 22. Luke 4, 16 through 22, maybe not a typical Christmas morning um, text that we would normally read, um, but this text is really, uh, the reason that I chose it today is because this is the coming out sermon of Jesus. He will be born, he'll, he'll grow up, and he comes, and he comes into the synagogue, and he grabs a scroll, and he reads, and he says, this is why I have come. It's Jesus' statement of the prophecies of old that this is what I have come to do. And so this morning, we're going to look at a text that expresses why Jesus has come. We're going to read it in a moment. <clears throat> but the reality of our life, and we live in a culture, and I believe in a world that is in desperate need of love, joy, and peace. We've kind of had that theme as we've unwrapped Christmas this whole season. And we live in a culture that desperately needs it, and we live in a room right here today. I, all of us need love, joy, and peace. And we can try to push away the brokenness, and we can kind of try to act like everything's okay. But the reality is, is there's struggle in life. There's struggle with husbands. There's struggles with wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, stuff, pleasure, money, work, education, looks, war, stock markets, death, destruction. It's all around us in our life. And all those things that I mentioned are things that in some way we look toward in our life. In my husband, in my wife, in my boyfriend, girlfriend, in the stuff, in the pleasure, in the stock market, my job. That maybe this will bring me love. Maybe this will bring me joy. Maybe this will bring me peace. But in all reality, we know that these things at some level will always fail us. Because all of them are a part of the broken system that our world our world is. We want peace, but the question is, why is there so much struggle? The Ulriches couldn't have expressed peace better. We want joy, yet we are surrounded by sadness and despair. We want love, yet so much animosity, hate, and disregard for others in our world. So we live in a world that is in, a de in desperate need of a Savior. Over over estimated 4 billion people without Jesus that live in our world today. Poverty, disease, famine, slavery, war, destruction, these aren't things in ancient history books. They're present realities in our world that we live. All of these things, all of these things have no solution. We just see a brokenness in our world. But the message of Christmas, the message of Christ is there is love, joy, peace, life, salvation, redemption, recreation, restoration, cleansing, and renewal in the person of Jesus. There's a deeper work that God longs to do in our heart and soul, and this is why Jesus came. He came to bring us life. John 16, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We celebrate this morning Jesus' birth. I thought one way that we could capture maybe the humanity of his birth this morning is in a video. And so if you'll 
put your attention on the screens. Through social media, um, we'll see Joseph and Mary struggle in the, in, in, in ultimately the birth of Jesus. So watch this video.
Jesus born. See, after that moment, Jesus begins to grow. And Jesus is different. He's unique, conceived of the Holy Spirit, one of a kind, none like him. Mother, Mary, his adopted father, Joseph, they raise him. And he grows not to be just any man that would walk on this earth, but a different kind of man. And in this text today, we see what his mission was, and we see what our condition is and why he had to come. So let's read together, Luke. Let's read together, Luke 4, 16 through 22. It's hard to turn the pages with a bleeding finger. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. So here it is, the prophecy fulfilled. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He did this. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son. In the passage, we see two things this morning for us. The first, Jesus reveals his mission of why he came. He reveals to us the, the, the reason that he had to step down, that God came in the flesh. And he says that he has been anointed. He's been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was committed to entering into the broken space of our world, the broken place of our world. The neediest members of society, he was committed to stepping down amongst to bring life. In this, we see that Jesus did these things in his ministry, as we know now the fullness of his story revealed to us in the Gospels. Jesus proclaimed good news to the poor. He interacted with people in which the Pharisees would be very upset with him. Why would you associate with these kinds of people? Jesus associated with them. Those that were held captive by their sin, by the closed-mindedness that they had. He opened their eyes, he opened their mind, and he set liberty to those who were captive. He literally touched a man's eyes, and he touched people, and he gave sight to those who were blind. He set liberty to the oppressed, and he proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor, and he proclaimed it like this, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Saying that today is the day for you to turn to your father, to be restored in relationship with him. Jesus often, through his ministry, would proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Saying in this way, exposing that men and women, you and I, are created in the image of God. We are made by him, shaped by him, formed by him. But we have rebelled and rejected of him, and we must repent of our sin. 
turn in faith to Jesus Christ, accept, believe in this work that he has done to redeem us, rescue us from our sins. But not only to redeem us and rescue us, but today, a present day, recreating us, changing us, transforming us to be something new, something different. And see, in his mission of what Jesus came to do, he reveals our mission. Jesus reveals our mission and that what he has done for us, he is asking us to do on behalf of others. In Isaiah 58.10, it says, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. His mission that he came to do is what he is inviting us into to participate with him. See, he's inviting us into something deeper because in this text, if you are in Christ Jesus, this is what he has done for you. See, the Lord anointed him, and I've been a little bit overwhelmed myself as we've sang this morning as I've heard testimonies of the present work and salvation that I have in Jesus Christ. See, he is, for me, I was once poor. I had nothing. I had no hope. I had no salvation. I had no light. I had darkness. And to be honest, I had a time in my life, and this may not be you, where I looked at the mirror and I hated the man I looked at. And I was a very hollow hollow man. But then Jesus Christ entered into my life and this poor man became rich. This poor man became the wealthiest man that would ever be because now all that is my father's is my own. Proclaiming good news to the poor, proclaiming liberty to the captives. I once was captive to my sin, held by it, and I couldn't get away from it. But Jesus set me free from my sin. I was once blind And he has given me sight to see things as they truly are through his word and through his spirit. Set at liberty those that are oppressed. I was oppressed by this world and by the dominions and the domain of darkness. And I was held down from becoming the man that God made me to be. I once did not know that the Lord's favor could be upon my life. But Jesus proclaimed it and now it is mine in him. See, when we see his mission toward us and the depth of what he has done, and I would say this maybe kind of, there's probably three kinds of categories of people that might be in this room, and this might be an overgeneralization. But there are those of you that hear that and you say, that was me. I was blind, I was oppressed, I was hurting, and Jesus came. And in your heart, you rejoice in knowing what he has done. There may be others in this room, maybe the skeptic that would say, that's crazy. Right? That's hocus pocus. I don't really know what they're talking about. But all that I would say is I might have been you one day, but I'll tell you today, no longer skeptic because I've seen the deep work and the power of my God and what he can do. But there may be others in the room that you've been around this and for a long time. And the good news of the gospel doesn't warm your heart as much as it once did. And I hope this Christmas, for you, for the skeptic and for the one who doesn't warm your heart, that that maybe you could press in a little bit deeper to see the, the good news that has come, that you're no longer poor, that you're no longer captive, that you're no longer blind, that you're no longer oppressed, that the year of Lord's favor can be yours. See, when we see his mission toward us, it causes us to reciprocate that outwards to others. See, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by what we do. 
But when Jesus has done a genuine work in our heart and life, I don't know about you, but for me, what it's caused in me is a longing that others that are poor might be rich, that others that are captive by their sin and oppressed and hurting and blind, that they could see because it is so wonderful to know God, to love him, to feel the freedom of, of, of being free from our sin and free from the bondage that this world brings. And so in this, what we see is Jesus came, his mission toward us was to set us free. And in that, he calls us to a mission to model him. And so he'll say it like this. John 13, 16, a servant is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If I am a servant of Jesus Christ, I'm not better than him. My message is not less than his. It is equal to his. John 15, 20, a servant is not greater than his master. John 20, 21, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Keeping his commandments is living out his mission in this world as he was called to live. And so I would say that one of the greatest messages of Christmas is this message that Jesus came to proclaim. And the response to this, what Jesus has done for us, is not just to clap our hands and say, this is wonderful and it's great, I'm glad this has happened to me. But there's something deeper that the Christmas message does in our hearts is it says, oh, I'm so, so grateful this has happened to me. Lord, might you use me to see that happen in others? See, Jesus came, and say this is Jesus is still coming. He's coming into hearts and lives, moment by moment, day by day, and he's using us to do that. It's a wonderful thing to celebrate Christmas and what Jesus has done. I know for me, with my three girls, I love them so, so much. And I've said this, you may have heard me say it before, that in my life, my greatest desire for my children is that they would give everything they have for Jesus, that they would go to the ends of the earth, and even as hard as it might be for me to give their very own life, as Christians have for centuries and centuries, that would give their very own life for the sake of the gospel. Nothing would make me more proud of my girls, and especially my girl that's on the way, coming. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we found out last night. <clears throat> but I say that in, in all honesty, and um, I am a little bit emotional today. When you have a house full of girls, you get emotional. <laughs> they just don't, right, Brian? So it's just hard. So, um, but it is, um, it is a daunting responsibility to be a parent, but there's no one in this world I love more, right? There's no one we love more than our kids. And I would say that, and it's just an expression of my own heart, there's nothing greater that my kids could do but to give the, their very own lives for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the Lord. And this little one might be a mighty, hopefully, a mighty warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, little girls, you can be mighty warriors for Jesus Christ. That's what he wants for you. And so in this, we see this great thing that he has done, this great mission toward us, and he's calling us to reciprocate that outward. But he also reveals our condition. We've stated this, but I think we need to state it again. See, he reveals our condition and that he comes to bring good news to the poor, liberty to the captive, sight to the blind, set at liberty the oppressed. We've covered this, but this is literally us. As much wealth as you might have, you won't take any of it with you. 
if you are not rich in spirit, you are not rich at all. I remember when I was a kid, I was driving down the road, and I was telling my dad how I was going to make millions of dollars when I got older. And my dad, in some kind of simple way, trying to help his son not be a lover of money, he looked at me. I remember we were driving down a gravel road in central Iowa, and my dad in his pickup truck looked over at me. He said, Ryan, and tears came down his face, and he said, I'm the richest man in the world. And he spoke about Jesus, and he spoke about me, and he spoke about his family, and he says, I don't know how a man could be wealthier. Now, the thing is, is my dad was excessively poor. I didn't know it. I grew up in very, yeah, we didn't have much money. See, wealth and riches, they don't come in the way we think. They come in the peace that indwells our heart through Christ in us. See, this is literally us. And again, not just literally us, it's spiritually us. See, what Jesus wants to do in our lives is he wants to justify us. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to give us hope that one day we will be glorified forever. And so what that means is that he wants to justify me, meaning that when I place my faith and hope in Jesus Christ, that my sins are gone, that, that there is nothing I have to do. Jesus did the full work on the cross for me. Last night I was talking to a guy before one of the Christmas Eve services, and he pointed up where the cross normally is, and he says, that cross means simply one thing, is that I'm not perfect, and I never will be perfect, but there was someone who was perfect, and he made me perfect. That's justification. It's saying that Jesus is the one who makes us perfect and holy. There's nothing I have to do to work toward that. But see, there's this other thing that happens in my justification. Is that now I have a longing and I desire to be holy as he is holy. To be sanctified, to grow in my relationship with him. Understanding the depths of the poverty that I have, the depths of the captivity I once was in, and being freed from the bonds of that increasingly in my life. Because the grips of this world and the struggles of this world, they are all around us. And what Jesus came to do is not just to, to make it all great so we could go to heaven one day. He wants to make our life full of peace and love and joy today. He wants to increasingly let loose the grips that this world holds on us and set us free in him. He reveals our condition. And so sanctification, justification, he's freeing us from sin. And one day, the hope is that one day I will be glorified, that one day he will set me right, he will make me free, there will be no more sin, there will be no more death, there will be no more orphans, no more abortion, no more struggles, no more conflict, it will be gone and there will be peace with him forever, Revelation 21. This is the great work that Jesus came to do, to bring us new life in him. See, Christmas proclaims the deep need in us. Christ enters the scene and brings this need and brings a solution to reality. Jesus lived a life where he never lied, he never coveted, he never wanted, he never was shady. And the reality is, is we can live our lives trying to never be shady, trying to never lie, trying to never covet, trying to never do these things. But the reality is, all of us at some point are going to do these things. And if your aim in life is to do good, and hopefully one day God will accept you because the good you did, just so you know, it's a futile, pointless endeavor. And say it like this, because good is subjective. You may have heard me say this before, but good is subjective. It's like saying, who's the strongest person in this room? We could actually do that. I think I got a good chance at winning, right, that competition. 
We could say, who is the prettiest in this room? I would not win that, right? We, it's subjective. It's to each his own. Who's the best person in this room? It's actually something that we could do a vote on. There's people in this room that do very, very good things that might be better than you. There's a lot of people that are better than me in this room. It's something subjective. It's something that's unattainable to each his own. How do you quantify? How do you know? How can you tell? See, good is not something that any of us in this room can attain, but there one, was one who was perfectly good. There was one who came and lived a sinless life, who never coveted, who never sinned, who never was shady, who never lied, who never cheated, who lived a perfect sinless life. Why? Because he wasn't like us. He was different. He was 100% God and 100% men, fully God, fully man, stepped down to us to provide us a way to God. Jesus came, and through him we can have eternal life. Without Christ, I am poor. Without Christ, I am blind, I am oppressed and held captive. In Christ, I desperately need the Lord's favor. Luke 4, again, 18 and 19. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. This is what Jesus came to do, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I need Jesus. We need Jesus. We desperately need him to save us from our sin. We desperately need him. As much today I need him as I did the first day I received him. He is my hope today, tomorrow, in 10 years if God gives me it, or 20, and one day forever I will stand before him and I will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. See, the people that were there that heard him read those scrolls, what we know, see, they were amazed, and what we find out later in the text is they were amazed but unwilling to change. They were intrigued but cold, and they were consumed with their religion and unwilling to submit themselves to the person of Jesus. Now, you being here on Christmas morning would say this might be a bit of a different crowd than that, but might he soften our hearts toward him because in all of us life can tend to make us cold the struggles and the trials and the heartaches the sins of our flesh can make us cold and we can grow distant we can be amazed at who Jesus is but yet in the day to day unwilling to change we can become consumed with the rituals of our religious acts rather than pressing into the person of Jesus. We can act as though we submit in front of others, but live in rebellion in the closet. See, Jesus came to us, and as the song said, there isn't peace on earth. Hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. But maybe in our hearts, we would just recognize that we can't stop the bells from pealing. Jesus came. They ring loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. 
The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, peace on earth and goodwill to men. The Christmas, this Christmas, we have seen why he came to set us free. Might that change how we live? See, the gospel proclaims this simply, that Jesus Christ came into this world because we have all sinned, each and every one of us, and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not one of us in this room. And the person that thinks they are or acts like they are, they're worse than the greatest sinner in this room, by the way. None righteous, no, not one. But God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, unique, unlike any other son, into this world that we might have eternal life through him. In Romans, it says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. If you've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you've never knelt your life before him and said, Jesus, save me, this Christmas morning would be a great time to do that. Christian in the room, maybe this Christmas morning message to you is, Jesus has done a great work to you. How are you reciprocating that outward and how you live your life? Because the reality is, for each of us, is that Jesus wants you to be justified in your sin. He wants you to have peace. He wants to transform and change you, and he wants you one day to be with him forever. But until then, wherever we find ourselves, might we respond appropriately today and whatever he has said, because he is worthy of it. If you'll bow with me, let's pray. Father, we, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you came, that you lived a perfect and sinless life. Jesus, that you loved us so much that you entered into the brokenness this world because Jesus we we recognize that you're not like us that you are with the father before all things were and you will always be you are eternal but yet in in your peace Lord you step down into our brokenness the sin the rebellion the choices we made to push away the one who made us and to live in our own flesh in our own ways. Lord, we recognize that we were blind, oppressed, captivated. Jesus, you have come. You have come that you were born that we might be free. So as we're about to sing, Lord, there's not a lot of words that we can say, but maybe one of the most eternal words, but we just say hallelujah. You have come. Hallelujah, you have saved us and redeemed us. Hallelujah, you have done a work that we cannot do on our own. So Lord, we say to you this Christmas morning, we love you. We thank you that you came. Help us now to worship you well. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand and we're gonna sing this song together. As we stand and sing, it would be completely appropriate at any time if God led you to come down to the altars and pray, to lay whatever down you need to, to do that as we sing this morning.